Blog Talk Radio. to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string that together. And a lot of our journey, I feel like actually lately it's taking the unexpected places, and, um, and so appreciate Hi, sorry about that, everybody. I'm actually calling remotely, talking about being <laughs> being on our journey, and it's taking us to unexpected places. So I'm calling in from my cell phone. So, Melissa, are you on the line? Yeah, I just was able to get on the line. How are you? Hi, hi, lovey. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need your help today in holding holding the space in case I drop out of the space. So. So, um, so basically, you know, where we're at in our journey, I mean, we've come a really long way on the show and with the with the blogs that both Melissa and I that we do, and um, mine being Mama's Crawls and Melissa's being M's Gems, and as we've developed, you know, and and gone on with the show, I feel like it's gotten it's gotten deeper and touching more chords. And it always kind of starts with, um, you know, we're trying to link together the the shows and the themes that we do every week. And um, you know, once we hit on a theme that we want to talk about, like we get all excited, and then when we kind of dive in. It's like we don't really know what we're diving into. Like we know that there's a lot there and that there's a, a wide open space, but um, we're, we're fully surprised about the enormity of each issue that we're talking to and talking about. And, and such was the case last week on our show, which was um, short bus. And we basically have been focusing all through September on back to school and the different the different issues within our educational system and how we can support our our children and our families through the process and how we can work with um, our educators and our kids team to be an, an advocate and to be involved and obviously to help them get the best education experience as possible. And there is a rising class of kids who are facing this world and challenges with special needs. And we talked to two moms in particularly about their experiences with their children and the work that they are now doing within this atmosphere. And, um, you know, there's so many disabilities 
that um, you know that our children can be affected with, and we're you know we're kind of joking, but kind of not on uh, on the you know on the blog and on the show. It's like you know there's there's um there's just there's so many working parts for all of us, and any part of that can be affected. And, um, you know, when it's your child and you're really trying to figure out how, he, how your child can live his best life based on whatever, whatever cards he's dealt with, how do you go about that? And um, the two moms that we spoke with, Kira McLaughlin, who is a representative from Autism Speaks, and Autism Speaks had a huge walk on Long Island last Sunday, and you can obviously still go onto their website and donate at any time. Um, but she was talking about her experience and journey with her son, Jake, and how she discovered and was attuned to the red flags of his behaviors which were signs of autism. And that was really, really helpful for so many people to to hear and to know because a lot of times we don't know what to look for, especially if it's your first child and you're not in, you're not an educator and, you know, maybe your kid doesn't have a ton of play dates. You don't you don't know what to look for. So Kira was really, really helpful in walking walking us through some of the warning signs as well as some of the work and resources that Autism Speaks has available to other families. And there are so many families now where autism is prevalent within their children. The statistics have grown to now it's one in every 110 children are diagnosed with autism with being on the autism spectrum. And out of those 110 children, it's one in 70 boys. So it's kind of getting to the point where it's like every other kid is um, has some form of autism. And even with the, within the autism spectrum, it's broken down into many subsets and variations that your child might be dealing with from, you know, extreme to, to slight um, a slight disorder, so you know it's something that we all should be focusing on and at least being educated about. And the other mother that we had on was Ellen, who um, whose son has cerebral palsy, which occurred at birth. Basically, her son suffered a stroke at birth, and you know underwent a stem cell transplant. And she chronicles her journey in her blog. And the big takeaway that I got from Ellen, and I'm really grateful for both of them for coming on the show and sharing their experience. You know, it takes a lot to really want to dig deep and, and share um, and open up. Um, and I'm just grateful that we now live in a, we're living in a time where it is okay to come out of the closet with these things because I remember when we were growing up, Melissa, like it was um, legislation was just getting into um, into effect, and before the 1970s, really, there was there was there was no talk of it. It was kind of like if your child had a learning disability, um, and back then it was mental retardation, and that's what I remember um, hearing was mental retardation and Down syndrome. I didn't even know what autism was when I was growing up, and it was kind of like you know, those kids were, were kind of put aside and kept apart and not integrated in with the rest of the kids around around them. And, um, you know, and there was a real huge stigma. And I've been talking to, you know, you and I have been talking all last week and <laughs> over the weekend, and I've been talking to a lot of my other friends who, who are teachers, um, some of them 
our teachers to special education children. And, you know, one of the things that, that we were talking about was the discrimination that, that was occurring. And thankfully, um, at least I would, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it's, it's alleviated somewhat, but um, I'm sure it's still prevalent, and we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about this in great depth on today's show. And um, what, what they were saying, though, my, my friends who were teachers were like, you know, the stigma is, is that it's somehow contagious. You know, that these disabilities, when you see somebody or a child or a person or somebody who is handicapped and, and has very obvious, I mean, there's obvious disabilities and then there's not so obvious disabilities, but the more obvious ones, it, it kind of sets us cringing and we feel like it's, it's catchy that somehow we're going to catch that too. Or, or, you know, there's something going on and there's a, a great big disconnect um, with people who are not typical. However, the pearl of the week last week was the new normal because, um, you know, I just feel like there's such a growing acceptance of people with disabilities and there's so much more support. And the one thing that, that Ellen said, which, which you highlighted again in your gems, and I thought, Melissa, that your gems were just totally amazing last week um, oh. and so in, informative. <laughs> no, no, thank you. And I appreciate you actually... Um, I have to give full disclosure. I definitely reached out for you to uh, help me add to the gems. But um, you know what? What both you and I found was we can keep right. We there was just too much. There was when you started to look at the subtopics, you could just keep going on and on. So right, I think I mean, if there's, we there's, there's, so, there's so many levels to this. Yeah. And I think once we entered into September and we we got into the idea of dealing with back to school, we realized, you know, it's it's amazing what there is to talk about when it comes to going back to school. I think we could spend the whole school year on finding serious and even enlightening topics um, to keep us busy and thinking, which is, a, I guess, a good good form for us. Well, if you if you think about a person's life, especially in a child's life, they spend most of their time in school. Um, I was in school, you know, with, with going to law school for over 24 years. I mean, that is the majority of my life so far. So what happens in school is so crucial to our makeup and to society at large. And the other thing I wanted to just um, to to, to call upon again and highlight from that Ellen said with her pearl is that with her son Max that she always sees and she wants everybody to see Max as a child first, you know, I mean, and not as a disabled. You know, it's like he's a child first and he's disabled way down the line, second, third, fourth, fifth. And I think that we constantly put on labels and where this comes about, um, you know, really starts in the home but then starts in the schools and when we're bringing it into the schools and you watch children in, in the playgrounds um, and our playgrounds basically expand to wherever we are. Um, the playground can literally be, uh, you know, like now there's a new imagination playground which I wrote a review on that's going to be on Skimbako or there's, a, you know, your park with the slides and you're watching kids in the sandbox play and interact and they're, you know, some of them get along great and the other there's teasing involved. And, um, 
and you look at those dynamics and how they transfer to every segment of society pretty much as far as, you know, in school or in college or in graduate school or in Hebrew school or in religious school. You know, there's so many different schools that we actually go to. If your kid goes to art school, if he goes to dance class, if they go to sports class, you know, whatever social interaction um, and environment where your child is present, that's their playground. When you get older, it doesn't stop. When you go into work, what's going to be the makeup of work? What is acceptable at work? We kind of have different rules about what's acceptable in the workplace and what's acceptable out in the playground or in the football field or in a classroom. What's acceptable um, when we even get older and we go into an old age home? And what's been happening in the news and what's been coming forth lately are these really tragic tales of children who, and, and adults, I mean, come on, we, we read about adults having, um, having being seriously affected every day, and we were talking last, after last week's show, it's like, that's great, we have all this information with last week's show, and like I said, we did a great setup for, to even open a larger discussion with the GEMS, and there's the issue of how your kids are doing with their special disabilities, and how the parents are, are doing, the resources for both your children, both the parents, as well as all the legislative support um, and knowing your, your rights and the laws and organizations. And when we were like, that's great, what are we going to talk about this week? And this week, you know, we're in October, the mood is changing, we're, we're entering the fall and the harvest season, and we're still kind of, you know, stemming a little bit from the aftermath of the school and kind of going into after-school programs, and it's also um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I mean, there was a lot of ways that we can go, but then we were really talking, and we heard the news about Tyler Clemente, and I was at a lecture with Gabrielle Bernstein, and she was really talking about, um, about Tyler's experience and bullying. And that really struck a chord as far as being the appropriate string from talking about children with special needs who, who almost seem like, um, like open fire, you know, or at least would have been when I was growing up. I don't, I, you know, I, I honestly don't know how it is yet because my kids have not yet moved into um, the elementary school system, so it's not really... Um, as prevalent for them, although I do see special needs children on almost a daily basis in my son's school. And it seemed like a natural segue for us to kind of move into talking about bullying. And this week's show is called Bullseye. And the pearl of the week is My Name is Rudolph. And when I was writing this week's blog, um, which I posted and can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. And also, by the way, if anybody wants to call in and talk to us, you see we already have a few callers and I am expecting a few guests today. The call-in number is 347-327-9450. And when I was really kind of going into prepping myself for, for this blog, and what, what did I want to say? Because there's, there's so many, there's, so, there's just so much... Um, about, you know, there's so many stories and there's just so much about bullying and so many people's experience that it really brought up a lot of memories of myself and my experience in, in um, as a child in school. I was a super sensitive child. You know, when I was younger, I had a little bit of up teeth and I thought I was like one of the only Jewish kids in my community and my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. So I, I carried a lot, lot of baggage with me. 
And every single person does. Every single person carries baggage with them from just being born to whoever they're born to and from their ancestors. And, you know, mine was a, a, a large load to carry, and I remember feeling ticked on, which, you know, looking looking back now, like, I'm not sure if I was completely, like, super sensitive or if I was really being picked on, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't have that um that objectiveness to, to really decipher it. But um what really got me through the process and through elementary school and um was was really my family and they knew I could come home running at home every day and I would tell my parents I hated school and whatever but I had them there for me and I knew that and my parents had my back and my sister was just born when I was going into elementary school and she was my baby and she was my saving grace and I just like clung to her and um, and it really wasn't until I got into sixth grade and I was just you know I mean I had friends and you know and and you know things happen and it, and but it was just kind of like I was just really affected and super sensitive. And I remember my sixth grade teacher saying to me, Cynthia, you need to grow thicker skin. And it was like immediately something switched in me. But unfortunately, it took me kind of to the other far side of the of the pendulum, and I turned into like a major, major bitch. <laughs> so I kind of went the other way, and it it took me a while to kind of rebalance like and I've also been on the other side where I've been a bully and I've picked on other kids and so all of this stuff was coming up for me and I talk a lot about a lot about it in the blog this week about you know that experience and playing both sides of the coin because you know I really you know from the from the you know spiritual core part of what's happening is that I I really see it as more of a um of you know, preying upon insecurities, which is why the string from last week to this week I felt was, was perfect. And, you know, is that something, if a child has special needs, is that something to be insecure about? Like, you know, I don't want my child feeling insecure about it. Like, he just has to work a different way to learn. So what is it about us individually that opens up a vulnerable aspect to ourselves, and we all have vulnerable parts of ourselves, and we all have wounds, um, and really kind of stepping into our shadow part, because a bully um, or anybody, you know, whether it's you or me or, or your next-door neighbor or a friend, a family, a lover, uh, an employer, a teacher, I mean, it could be anybody who comes up to you and holds up a light or holds up a mirror and shines to you like, exactly what you don't want to hear, that part that's going to completely hit a nerve. And my cords are totally struck from just yesterday and today and opening up the space and, and knowing who we're going to be bringing on, on the show today. And I feel, you know, just even today, in such a vulnerable, raw, raw space. And no matter how much support that you have from your loved ones, unfortunately there are, there are children and there are people who, you know, you can fortify yourself up only so much. You can grow the thickest skin ever. Um, and what is going to basically, you know, stick to me might roll off your back. So you really don't know what we're playing with, but there are some universally accepted areas that I think we can all agree on, like you just don't go there. Um, so, you know, opening up the space and, and seeing how we do pick apart other people based on their weak spot and 
you know, in business, it's like you go for the kill, like very Wall Street, you know, Greco style. Um, it's like what is it about our human nature and is it really in our highest human nature to go out and prey upon the weak? Is that really what we are about? Is it really survival of the fittest? And if it is, how do we change this? So this is a little bit of, um, you know, the thoughts and the feelings that, it, that have come up for me and that what we're opening up in, into this space um, and, you know, the other thing that I remembered was, you know, was the quote from Sean Prowdick, which who said, I always knew I'd laugh about the times I cried, but never knew I'd cry about the times I laughed. And with that, I really want to open the Mama's Pearl space here to a father who has unfortunately experienced the, the, far, the far extreme um, with an experience that his son has gone through at school with bullying. And unfortunately, his, his son is no longer around to, to share his insights. And um, in bringing on our guests, I really just want um, everybody to hold a space of light and in their hearts for, for our guests and for ev- any parent who is experiencing um, who's going through this experience, either themselves or your children. It's, it's, it's one thing when you're being picked on, but it's such, it's such quite another when it's your son or your child. And um, it's just so amazingly hurtful to, to think that the world does not see your children as wonderful um, and hold them in the same esteem and regard that you do. And we kind of all just want to make sure whatever playground our children are in, that they are going to feel loved and supported. So um, so I'd like to know if, if Kirk, are you with us today? Huh? I am. Hi, Kirk. Okay. Hello, Everybody, this is Kirk Smalley. And um, Kirk, thank you so much for, for being with us today and, sh- and sharing this space. It's just, it's it's so brave, and um, and ever and since the, the second that I received your your message that you were even going to possibly come on today, I I couldn't stop thinking about you and your son and your experience, and and I realized just what an awesome responsibility um, that I have and feel for even holding this space for you. So I, I'm really just honored, and you're such a you're a most welcome um, a most welcome guest here. So. So it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, Ms. Littman. I appreciate you helping me get a message out there. So um, so would you mind just kind of backtracking a little bit and telling us about your son and about his experience? Uh, sure. Uh, Ty was 11 years old, and he went to school in Perkins, or Perkins Tryon, Intermediate School in Perkins, Oklahoma. His mother worked at the school. Uh, She took the job at the school so she could be close to our son and be off the same days that he was out of school. They were best friends. They were together pretty much 24-7. I had been being picked on by a group of children with mainly one ringleader uh, for the last two years. my wife, working at the school, complained numerous times. Uh, she went up to the office. She made a lot of phone calls. Uh, we were told boys would be boys. Um, 
on the 13th of May, 2010, my son and wife went to work uh, in school, and Ty was laughing and joking with his friends and his mama before school, and he was sitting on the bleachers waiting for class to start with his best friend, and this same little bully came up and started picking on him again, and uh, my son had had enough. He retaliated, and as is so often the case, uh, when you retaliate in anything, sports, bullying, uh, the second guy gets caught. The disturbance seems to draw the teacher or the referee's eye. They look over and they see the second guy throw the punch or the shove or whatever, and they get the flag thrown on them. And that's what happened to Ty. He, uh, he got suspended for three days. They called his mom. He, she went and got her at the office and took him home, and they were shorthanded that day, so she had to go back to work. And he's 11. He's stayed home a little bit by himself before for a few hours. Uh, she told him to do his homework and do his chores, and we'd talk about it when we got home. And she got off at 2.30. She came home, and she found him in our bedroom floor. He had taken his own life. Uh, I got a phone call at 2.38 at work, and uh, I answered the phone to, screaming. She was just screaming. Uh, I tried and tried and tried to get her to calm down and tell me what was going on, what's wrong. And all she could do was scream. I finally screamed back at her and told her she had to be quiet a minute and listen to me and tell me what was going on. She had to make herself comprehensive to me. Uh, she managed to say, he's dead. I asked who, and she said, Ty, he shot himself. Uh, at that point, the light in our world went out, and we have lived in a living nightmare. Uh, I decided that I've got to keep this from happening to another family and another child. I've, uh, I've screamed to the wind for months trying to get anybody to listen to, to help stop this from happening. This is insanity. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, I was heard by a group of children at OSU OKC Upward Bound. They started a group called Stand for the Silent on Facebook in Ty's memory and honor, and they've decided that they're going to fight bullying wherever they find it in their schools. And we have been going around doing programs for schools and churches, youth groups, anybody that will listen. Uh, We teach these kids. We tell Ty's story. We teach these kids that you have to love and respect others above all else. Everybody's got a right to be here. Everybody's got a right to be who they are. We've held a vigil at the state capitol of Oklahoma on the 24th of August. At that point in time, we managed to organize a worldwide vigil. At the same time, we had four of them held in Australia, one in Spain, one in Ireland, one in Canada, one in the UK, one in South Africa. We had over 19 states hold vigils at the same time. 
trying to draw attention to needed legislative changes and to show love and respect for others. We've had a pretty good response, uh, but not near enough. I don't feel like I'm ever going to be able to do enough. Last week, there was another little boy in Texas that took his own life because he was bullied in school. Uh, Daily, I get emails, I get messages, I get phone calls from parents whose children are, are being bullied, wondering what to do. I'm not an expert. If I was, my son would still be here. If someone of the list of 250 people that I have that have taken their own life due to what they call now bully side, which shows you that it is way too frequent when they make up a word for it, if someone would have stood up and done what we are trying to do, my son might still be here. I have... I am living proof that... You may think you know your children, but the same little smiling, freckle face that you think you know is not who you think he is sometimes. Our son stopped talking about being bullied. Since he's died, his friends have come forward and told us of way too many things that have happened in school that we never knew about. Uh, My son was 11. He talked to me a lot. He was growing real, real close with me. We we hunted together. We we built the house we're living in together. His name is in the foundation in the concrete below his bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't afraid to talk to us about anything. My son was starting to get an interest in girls. He'd ask me questions about them, but he didn't talk to me about the most important thing. Kids that are being picked on tend to to learn to clam up because when the parents go to the schools and and raise cane about it, the bullying gets worse. The bully gets in trouble for a day or two and gets suspended maybe, and then he comes back with a vengeance. He gets time to sit home, play video games, and plot and plan of how he's going to get even. Uh, We're fighting for new legislation. We've got an interim study that has been granted for this fall. They want me to speak before a judiciary committee here in Oklahoma. Um, we would like to see some of the laws that are existing changed. Uh, one of them currently on the books requires all schools to have a policy against bullying. It doesn't require it to be enforced. It doesn't require them to be proactive in stopping bullying in their schools. We would like to see that law changed to the effect that we need all school personnel to be trained in anti-bullying and recognizing bullying when they see it, not just the classified and the admin people. your, your lunch people, your janitors, your bus drivers, they see more of the bullying because it doesn't happen in the classroom as much. It happens on the playground, in the hallways, and on the buses. One of the janitors at my son's school was involved in bullying my son, uh, an adult. It was supposed to be there to help watch out for our kids. Uh, mm-hmm. We would very much like to see documentation required for everything that a parent reports. If you make a phone call to the school, they should send you a copy of an incident report. If you go into the office and report a bullying incident, you should leave the office with a copy of a bullying incident report. 
the school my son went to went on record publicly two days after Ty died and said that they had done a full and complete investigation and at this point they could find no indication of any bullying. Their full and complete investigation, to this day they have not talked to me or my wife about why we felt that Ty was died because of bullying or any of Ty's friends were in constant contact still with all his friends. And I, none of them have ever been asked why, you know, if Ty was bullied or why we felt that. Now, how do you do a complete and full investigation without talking to the people that knew the child the best? Right. If we can get documentation, a paper trail to follow this, we can see, you know, Billy can't get along with Johnny. Billy can't get, or Billy had a problem with Jimmy. Billy had a problem with Susie. Now we can look at that and we say, hey, maybe we need to call Billy in and his parents and, and speak with them and do a little counseling here. I do realize that you have to be careful in that direction because Billy may be being picked on by a group of children. That that has happened. I've talked to many parents that, that a group of kids were picking on him. And you would think that Billy was was the problem, the bully, because his name keeps popping up. But if you still, if you call the parents in and, and speak with them and Billy, you can get to the bottom of the problem. And we can maybe nip this in the bud before it goes to the the depth that it went with us. Right. And 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 um no no parent should have had to experience what what you have had to experience. And um you know and there's there's something though that happens when um when you go through the darkest of dark and what you were saying was you're compelled now to shine a light. And there's no other way to go from here but no, to ma'am. hold the light for others but for but to hold the light and a space for others. And um and I mean you the said other path is so not much so much. The other path is not acceptable, which is which yes, is ma'am. why, you know, it's just exploring all that's out there with the anti bullying campaigns and there's um there's more, there's so many I mean Thankfully, there's so many people who are focused on it now. Um, it's unfortunate that it usually takes tragedies to, to snap people into action or into awareness, but, um, but that's one of the reasons why those things and the really dark things happen. And for us now to now hold the space and be aware of what's happening um, it's, it's now how do how do we deal with it? And, and you say you're doing you're doing the work, and many people are out there doing work to to raise awareness and to talk to parents and talk to school administrators, who will in turn talk to our children, because ultimately, it starts and ends with our children, um, yes, or with you in the workplace, or with me in the workplace, or with me going out into the world and and spreading love instead of hate. And um, you know, one of one of my one of the things I keep wondering was, have have you had a conversation, or how have you seen um, the, the kids who were picking on on Ty you know, since since his death? I actually have not. I know the child's first name. My wife knows who it is, and I've asked her not to tell me. I would never hurt a child, but I might go talk to his daddy. Uh, I'm trying right. well, very, well, very, very, very well, hard. One of, one of the thing one of the things that that um, just even through my own experience was, 
you know, is um, is is and is questioning whether, you know, is it is is the answer to just punish the bully? You know what I mean? Because like, isn't isn't that what fuels the fire? Like, what's going on with that kid? Obviously, that kid is hurt too. There's a wound there in that child. Otherwise, he wouldn't be picking on another child. Bullying is so, a learned behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. And no, the answer is not punishing anyone. And more times than not, the victim is the one that's punished, Miss Lippman. Uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're the ones that, that are suspended. They're the ones that are are targeted. They, uh, my son, you know, uh, my son's school. A lot of times for bullying incidents, they let that child leave a few minutes early, the victim leave a few minutes early. You're putting a target on that kid's back for other kids to... You're singling him out. They change classes. They they take the victim and put him in another class so he doesn't have to be around the bully. Hey, you're singling him out again. You're putting a bullseye on this kid, you know? That is not the answer. You you can't punish the victim or the bully. What you have to do is you have to educate them in what what is going on, what they are causing, what they are creating. They're hurting too. I understand that. Part of our program that the Stand for the Silent Group and I do, we ask how many are in, in the crowd or have been bullied. And we ask them to stand and we have them look around. And there's usually quite a few, adults and children alike. And then we we tell them we love them and that they are somebody. And then we ask if they sit down and we ask how many are bullies. And you'd be surprised, but people stand up. And we tell them to look around. And there's fewer of them because fewer of them want to admit it. And then we we tell them, you are somebody and I love you. I don't don't hate the bully that, that was picking on my son. I can't hate a child. I can't. I can't find it in me because I miss mine so much. Right. And I don't hate him. Right. And I'm not angry at him. I know that he's hurting and he needs help. We have to find a way to help him. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure, and all the legislation in the world, these laws and, and things that I'm trying to push for, they won't stop bullying Miss Lipman. All the laws in the world and all the policy in the world will not stop people from picking on one another. They have had laws against robbing banks since banks have been in existence, and banks still get robbed. The thing that will stop bullying is you and I and our children. These kids that are going around to these schools and starting this program in other schools and having them started in schools, we're going to pass it along. We're going to move it forward. We're going to pay it forward until everybody has heard what this does to people, how this affects a family, how this crushes lives. And it doesn't have to kill a child. It doesn't have to cause a child to take his own life, to affect a child for the rest of their lives. It crushes their fragile little self-esteem and makes them less than what they were meant to be. What is so small to you and I, what is such a tiny little thing to you and I that we can brush off and just keep on going is a mountain in a child's eyes. You know, someone calling you a name, you know, we've learned as adults to just brush that off and forget about it. But a name being called to a kid is so huge. So-and-so doesn't like me, thinks I'm a sissy or 
or, you know, calling me four eyes or, or thinks I'm fat or whatever. You know, that 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 is huge to a child. Right. It, it's not it's not enough for, um, and kids should not have to be spending mm-hmm. their days at mm-hmm. school thinking of comebacks of the you know your rubber your glue or fortifying themselves with armor so they can just walk down the hall. That's that's not what they're in school for. I mean, the, the social interaction is, is such a key component to our children's development and experience. And like you said. Um, the experiences there and the dynamics that are um, that they learn in school and in, among their peer interactions are going to stay with them for the rest of their lives, and it's going to affect how they handle their their um, future spouses and future families, or whether they can have a future family and they're capable of it, and whether they can function in, in a work environment or any other environment where where it's social. So, um, so, so, yes, you know, shine, shining this light and holding the space and making more people aware of the systemic um, causes as well as the reactions. You know, um, we all, we we all forget sometimes that you know there is no frivolous thought, there is no frivolous actions, and our actions and interactions do and can have a lasting impression. And like you said, it's even ten times. Ten times more intense for your children who are sponges, um, and um, and it's just you know you know it's it's the one thing to deal with it as we all do um, on a regular basis with um, with letting things roll off your back and you know hopefully as we get older we have more systems in place and resources to kind of say hey I didn't like what was being said to me let me go talk to a friend let me call my mom let me you know reach out to somebody and talk about this and and process it Um, when you're a child you know a lot of children don't know which way to go and if your school systems and the, the immediate support systems around them are not in place they may feel, unfortunately, like your son, that there's no other way out. And one of my my favorite quotes is, the best way out is always through. But I am also 35, going on 36 years old. Um, Many children, they don't see other options, you know, other options. Um, You know, dealing with just the the whole side um, of, of, you know, of the part of your son taking his own life, that's a whole other huge, huge issue um, as far as, you know, it's, I, I just, it's just unimaginable that that is, an, is a conceivable option for children and that there is no other way. You know, you know? Something that's, you the, that's the part that is so heartbreaking. Something you said just now rung a bell for me. And, you know, I have a friend. His name is Matt. And Matt has always, uh, he's a very, very good friend. And he, he's always called me worthless. And and he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean that I am worthless. Right. It's just something he says. Every time he calls me on the phone, he'd say, hey, worthless, what are you doing? And one day, not too long ago, I was feeling pretty worthless. And Matt called and Matt doesn't call me worthless anymore. Matt, Matt learned what it does what a word can right. do to people if it strikes them right. at the wrong time. You know, and you were talking about statistics too. There's 
there's something I've learned lately. I found out that one out of every four kids before they graduate our school systems in the United States of America not only think about suicide, they actually have a plan on how they would commit suicide. That's one in four. That's unacceptable, Miss Lippman. Ty's school had 1,300 kids. That's oh, first, first, first of all, yeah, you have to call me Cynthia. Uh, I'm not Miss Lippman. I'm, I'm Cynthia. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> call me Cynthia, please. Yeah. Um, 350 kids out of the 1,300. That, that's, that's insane. That's, that's not acceptable whatsoever. They say the second leading cause of death for our young people in the age group of 10 to 24 is suicide. The first leading cause of death is car wrecks. Now, we got laws in place to keep our kids safe in cars. We've got speed limits, seatbelt laws, right. child safety, safety seats. And if, if you don't follow those laws, you know, there's, there's a punishment there. There's either a fine or even jail time down the road, you know, if, if you get bad enough at it. We need laws with teeth and backbone in place for the second leading cause of death because suicide is caused by depression and... Depression comes from being humiliated. I mean, bullying is, is a major factor in suicide, and it doesn't have to be just in schools. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen, you know, in, in home life. But, you know, you think of a one-in-four situation of our children. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a little grassroots meeting at my house about three or four months ago, just the community trying to ban us all together to, to get something started on this. I had about 30 people that showed up out of the thousands that I begged to come. I had a couple of legislators that actually showed up for the state of Oklahoma. And there was a lady there from Stillwater, a town not very far from us. Uh, she got a six-year-old daughter, goes to school there in Stillwater, who had a five-year-old boy picking on her all year long. This child actually crawled under the table and cut up this girl's dress while she was wearing wearing it and just sat in fear of moving. And the lady brought the dress to this little meeting at my house, and I saw it. It was cut all the way around. And she she said that about a week and a half before school was out, this little girl started crying every day, every morning before going to school. And she kept asking her, what's wrong, honey? And she said, I don't want to go to school. Well, why? And I just don't want to go. Well, come to find out, this little boy had told her that he was going to bring a gun the last day of school and kill her. And she was just adamant that she did not want to go. Well, she didn't tell her mother why yet. She actually told her that three days before school was out, I'm not going to school. I'll just kill myself. And her mother was just distraught why would you even think that finally the little girl told her well so-and-so told me he was going to bring a gun the last day and kill me and i just do it so that he won't and she said well how would you even go about doing that and this little girl six years old told her mother that she had figured she would climb up the closet shelves in her daddy's closet and get his deer rifle and shoot herself six years old she had a plan on how she would take her own life. I have a list. It's the saddest list you'll ever see of over 250 children that have taken their lives because they've been picked on in school. And the youngest one on this list, his name was Matthew Bibby. He was from the U.K. He was six years old. We can't have yeah, that. That's, that's, yeah, it's that's. 
That's not okay. It's not okay. There are some times where you, where you just go, no, that can't happen. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, um, that I keep thinking of is how we all have our dark nights of the soul, and those nights just don't happen when you're an adult. They happen mm-hmm. in every single stage of our lives. And my friend Trisha used to always say, like, she can completely understand and see how it would be so easy for anybody to to go insane and lose their mind. It takes a lot of work for each of us to stay on track and to stay grounded and to stay connected and to stay connected with that part of us that knows that we are good and we are loved. And we do, like you say, belong here. We are worthy of this life. um, And we have just as much of a right to it as anybody else. And, um, you know, the the whole having access to to guns just, you know, in homes. I mean, I know that that you happen to be a hunter. Um, You know, for for me, it just just ticks off like a whole whole other level. So there's like, you know, there's, a million topics in one that we're covering covering today on this week's show, but um, but Cynthia, you, know, you can't you can't make this a gun issue. Uh, my, well, it it could be anything. I mean, I, you children know, children take school, their lives the by hanging thing, themselves. The first, they, exactly. The first thing that you learn in law school is that anything can be turned into a weapon. So it's you know danger lurks all around us, and if there is a will, there is a way. And kids are smart. They will figure it out. Kids are exposed to different media that that shows violence and, and acts. So kids kids can figure almost anything out. It's just, yes, um, you know, for them to slip into that as an as a response to to their actions or whatever they're dealing with. You said is like you said is completely unacceptable. Um, and so, so what do we do? How do we show them that there's another way? I was listening this morning to um, to Lori, and I don't remember her last name offhand, but her campaign is the Be Kind campaign. And she was on Ryan Secrets this morning talking about her experiences with, with bullying and her experience of um, how she goes into schools and she can, you know, you can tell kids you're blue in the face, that long-term they're going to be okay. Long-term they're going to make friends. And you were even saying that your son had friends. It just happened mm-hmm. he was certain, you know, his friends were circling around this other group of kids that picked on them relentlessly. Um, so you can sit there and tell kids that until they're blue in the face that long-term you're going to be okay. You're going to take this experience and you're going to thrive for it and you're one day going to do a radio show that's going to bring on somebody that's going to help you heal that wounded part of yourself, which, which this, you know, selfishly is doing for me. Um, but it doesn't matter what you say. I mean, words words are so powerful, but they can also be so empty if, they're, if the kid isn't seeing it in their immediate world, in their immediate world of home and bus and when you're 11 years old, when you're 5 years old, 6 years old, 14 years old, that's everything to them. That's all they know. They don't have other outlets. They don't, you know, unless you actively take them and show them millions of other kids, thousands of other kids that they can go and connect with, and even then they still might feel alone. I think all of us at some part um, feel alone in this world. And that's, that's, that's for me, is, is the main trigger point. 
nobody can fully understand you because you know what, you're you, you're not me. I can really only try and under, fully understand me. So, you know, these kids are really walking around so lost. Um, and it even sounds almost like you were saying, like, I'm scared, this is my, my response. Like, it's almost just a knee-jerk response. You know, there has to be more steps in place between A and, and, and B. You know, we need for these kids to know, before you even get to the part of wanting to take your own life and crawl into your daddy's closet and, and grab that gun, you first can go here, let's go here, let's explore this, let's go to this workshop, let's meet that person, let's have a day off, you know, something. It can't be anymore where a child who, you know, a college student is in college and he's made it all the way through college and he was a successful kid in his own right for his roommate, you know, to post something and that be the trigger point for him. You know, that out, you know, with Tyler Clemente, that it outed his um, sexual, his homosexual relations, obviously way before he was ever ready to fully admit that to the world and open up to the world. And that's you another, know, there has to be a way. And that's another thing that you bring up a good point. I mean, back in my day, I'm 46 years old, and back in my day, bullying might have been a little push here, push up there, name calling, sticks and stones type stuff. Nowadays, right. children can be bullied 24 hours a day, seven days a week via the internet, cell phones, texting. Right. You know, you can you can literally there is no escape from a child that is wanting right. to, to wreak havoc in your life and pick on you. I mean, cyberbullying is, is tremendous. I, I can tell you of many, many instances of, of children that have taken their own lives because of being cyberbullied, uh, passing, right. passing pictures that weren't supposed to be passed around, uh, things like that, you know. Uh, the, there's no escape from it. The only escape right. is educate all of them. And how to treat us. Well, I, I realize that the schools and the, are the goal to teach and the core, at the core, you you know, we need everybody at their core to feel so fortified and secure and anchored that whatever goes on in your twenty seven four seven world, whether you're being called every name under the sun on cyberspace by every single person that you know, you know, that 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 somehow is still external from you. And when we take that into our core and when it seeps into our inner beings and we start to believe it and we start to live it. And, um, and Debbie Ford, who is a client of mine, she does a lot of, uh, you know, her whole life's work is basically on the shadow process and, and what it is at the core and going through our darkness to get the light. And I encourage, you know, anybody, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, give out a bunch of resources towards the end of the show, um, but to go on the shadowoffest.com, she has a documentary or program as well as a book out um, that can help you unlock these parts so your core is solid. Um, you know, with kids, they're so open. I mean, you know, by 11, I, I don't know the developmental process. You know, I look at my, my kids, my son is four and a half and my daughter is two and a half. And, you know, I, I just, I, I look at them and, you know, how open they are to the world and just how innocent they are. And it's like you just can't imagine, like I said in the beginning, like anyone not treating your kid with respect and not loving who they are. 
Um, you know, but then again, my son comes home and, you know, told me yesterday that one of the other kids in school, in school hit him, you know, and I don't think it had anything to do with my son. I just think it had, had to do with, you know, the kid acting out, but he was going on about it. And, you know, and obviously I needed to listen and we need to listen to our children and we need to listen and be, you know, very aware and active at schools. And I know that they, you know, that you must feel day and night um, guilty for what has happened with your son. And I think any parent in the world would also feel that way if they were in your shoes. And, um, you know, and part of, you know, this work for you is to help, I mean, I don't think you'll ever eliminate that feeling, but to kind of help you through it um, and help help you feel a little bit lighter because, um, you know, we can kick ourselves in the head about anything thing that happens to our children. You know, ultimately we we try so hard to prepare them for the world around them and to go to go out into the world, but um, you know, things can happen to them at, at a moment's notice that you you just can't you just you know, as as much as it's hard probably to to hear that. Um, and it's even hard for me to say that because if 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 the roles were reversed, I wouldn't be able to hear it either. Um, but it's just to know that you know sometimes things happen that are you know for the bigger and higher good. And in this case, you know I really see the work that you're doing to help other parents. Um, at least I know that's what I would cling on to as far as that. Um, you haven't really mentioned, aside from the beginning, um, with your wife, you know, how is your wife? I'll be honest. We're both falling apart daily. Uh, she's not well. That's, that was her baby. That was her best friend. Uh, she, I see her fading every day. We are adamant that we've been thrown statistics and numbers. Everybody keeps telling us, you know, you'll never make it. You know, 80% of children that lose a child or 80% of people that lose a child uh, end up divorced and split up. We won't let that happen. My wife is all I have left. I'm all she has left. We cling to each other. I made a promise to my boy on Father's Day, one month and seven days after he died, that he and I would change the world. We would make a difference somewhere. We would save a baby somewhere. I held my wife in my arms in our closet in the floor one night a few days after he died, and I told her that I would be strong for both of us because everybody kept telling her she had to be strong. And she said, I can't. I just want to go crazy. And I told her it was okay. You go crazy. As long as you go crazy in my arms where I know you're safe, I'll be strong for both of us. And Miss Lippman, I've been strong for both of us. And I fall apart when I'm not around her so that she can't see it and then that she doesn't see that I can't be strong all the time. But I'm here to tell you, when you lose your child, especially to something like this, suicide has a lot of anger issues with it. Uh, we get angry at each other. We get angry at ourselves. Uh, we place the blame on ourselves. We don't blame each other. Mm -hmm. We each place the blame on ourselves. And you can't mm -hmm. help but do that. Uh, you would like to think that, that you can protect your child from anything in this world. But we found out you cannot. Uh, right. You cannot protect your child from themselves. Uh, right. We 
we love each other with all our hearts. We're all we got left. Um, well, it, sa- it sounds like it sounds like um, you two will continue to work on your bond and your relationship, and um, and you will nurture that. And some days it's going to be hell, and some days it's going to be light, and sometimes you'll remember Ty and you'll be absolutely hysterical laughing, and other days you'll remember him and you'll be absolutely hysterical crying. So what you're also calling to you now is a whole other legion of supporters who are going to be with you, who are going to want to help prop you up. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of the same thing as far as it you know, what we're saying about the children having the core is that you and your wife have to know at your core that um, that you are loved, you know. So everything that you preach, you're going to have to almost give it extra to yourself through this. I understand. You know, and be gentle with yourself. We try. We beat ourselves up plenty. Uh to be honest with you, we, you know, there's so many what ifs and why didn't I's, and and you know, you just can't go there. You just can't, and we understand that. You you can. It's human nature to I go. Mean, you can you can. I mean, you can go there, and I'm sure that you do. Um, we all have regrets, and you know, this is just in a whole other level and exponential. Um, you know, we all have regrettable moments. We all have make make utterances we really didn't mean. You know, once things are out there, they're, they're kind of out there. Once something happened like this, it's, it's, it's happened. Um, and like you said, there, there's nothing that you can do to bring him physically back, but you can always hold him in your heart and he will be there. You know, I'm, I'm sure that your son is, is with you and holding you and your wife's hands and your heart and, and just shining upon you guys. Um, you know he's not going to he's not going to leave you. I mean I, I firmly believe that because I always feel the presence of of my grandfather and my my ancestors, and that's that's part of what gives me strength to even do the work that that I'm doing now with with Mama Pearls. Um, and I and I fully fully believe that, and I hope that that gives you some sense of comfort in an extremely uncomfortable. Um, uncomfortably numb sense that that I'm sure that you and your wife have. Um, You know, so, you know, each day will be, each day and each moment, I'm sure, is is a challenge for you. And, um, and, you know, you just have to know that he's, he'll always be with you. but I know that I listened to, to some of the other interviews that, that you've done and it, that you said, you know, how you haven't done this one yet because it still, it still smells like to him. I mean, have you done it yet? No, ma'am. That one longer <laughs> will probably never be done. His sheets have not been yeah. cleaned. Nothing in his room has changed. We, I can go in and I can lay down on Ty's bed and I can still smell him. I can feel closer to him for, for just a few minutes that way. Uh, his laundry won't ever get done, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. There will always yeah. be a little hint of him there. Right. Right. I actually think that's very sweet. So, um so is there is there anything else that you really want to to share with people 
or you know, particularly other parents who may may have had experienced the same the same loss as you, or who um, are facing you know see, starting to see signs um, of their children that um, that they know that they might be being bullied. I would like to tell everyone that that no matter what, I mean, your child comes first and foremost. Our children come first and foremost. We need to push that to the front. We need to make sure that people understand, politicians understand, that, that and school personnel understand that that our children come first. Their safety comes first. Uh, I'm telling you, you don't want to be where I'm at. If you've lost your baby. Nothing else really, really matters. Has the there been a place it, of solace for you? Has there been is has there been a group or a resource or some place where you have gone that you found an incredible support that you would like other parents to know about? And these upward bounds kids that started this group stand for the silent. Uh they've helped me tremendously. Uh They've been very supportive to me, and they've kind of adopted me and Laura, and they they have, have really helped us. Uh, you know, like I say, we're trying to get that all over the country, all over the world started, uh, just just to, to teach kids in, in their schools that, that they can pass that forward, they can love and respect. They don't have to like everybody, but everybody's got a right to be who they are, and everybody's got a right to be here. You know, and not everybody's going to always like you, but you are who you are, and you've got a right to be that. And I remember, have, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that, actually, because I remember I went to a therapist once, <laughs> and she said to me, and she said to me, why do I have to like you? Like, I was concerned about people liking me, cause, and I think that's a core issue for almost every child and, you know, and girls. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a woman, but... Um, for girls in in their instances, and and she said to me, she's like, why do I have to like you? And you know, I mean, I didn't go back to her, but I probably should have because that was such an important lesson that she gave me. Mm-hmm. You know that it's it's okay to not be liked. That I don't have to win everybody over as, as my friend. Um, I don't have to be friends with everybody and. That is such, I think, a powerful message and goes also to the core of, of who children are. Um, and, and thank God for the children that you were saying that, that created that organization for you um, and, and are holding the light for, the, for you and your wife through this and is also in honor of Ty. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you something that, you know, as far as on the comfort level, um, what what is the best advice that that you have received, whether either through this time or just in general? To find comfort. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? I, yes. I found very little comfort. Uh, Ty's mm-hmm. been gone 148 days, and I find very very little comfort. I wish I knew, man. I. I. Uh, People say that time heals all and that, that things will get better as time goes by, but people lie. I miss him more every day. I, uh, the pain just gets more real. Uh, the numbness and shock and disbelief has worn off. Uh, 
from the, right. the first few days, and there's no comfort. Our baby's not in our arms. Uh, the only thing I can do is make something good come of it. I can't let anger and depression overtake me. I have to. I have to be proactive in in saving somebody else's kid from going through the same thing that our child went through. I I don't ever want to see even my worst enemy. I I couldn't bear to to think of them living the nightmare we're living. Uh, right. Right. I wish I knew the magic answer for for comfort, but I I found none. Uh, we, um... we have to make noise. We have to be heard. We have to, to, to keep this message going out there until the right people hear it uh, and, and the things get done that need to be done to stop this. We, we, we just have to keep, keep pushing until, until somebody hears and, and until you know the kids themselves hear. Right, and so it, it strikes you know it strikes us deep in in all of, in all our centers and cores, um, and that we all make this shift to being kind and to being respectful and to being tolerant and understanding, um, and also into not being a hunter upon other kids and seeing other kids as prey. Um, you know, one of the things that that I see the playground and I see as us just living, it's like we're constantly living in a laboratory and kind of testing. And I, and I wrote this in, in the blog this week where it's just like, um, you know, you might have to go out as, you quote, the bully and be and learn a valuable lesson for yourself. And through that, it might come from putting other children down or calling somebody a name or seeing somebody as a special needs kid and calling them a retard. Um, and that's great where you might come out the other side and realize, hey, you know, maybe that's not so cool. But your experience has left somebody um, as a victim, has left somebody as a crash test dummy. And, um, you know, how else can we kind of get to that point of realization or have that experience without having to put somebody else down? Um, and each kid and each person in this world has to go through that process themselves so they come out of the place of, of, of having the realization. So, you know, is it going to stop? Is teasing going to stop? You know, probably not. I mean, in, in all honesty, it's just, it's just part of the, the test cycle. But our response and, you know, whether those kids can look at, look at each other next, the next day and, and grow from that experience in a positive way, um, that's something I, I see that we can all work towards with our, with our children um, and, and kind of using it as learning laboratories and, and having these kids interact with each other in a, in a healthier way. And, you know, I mean, kids are going to need to act out aggression. It's just kids, but being able and like kind of how you're how you're feeling now with with all of with all of your um, with all of your um, depression and your feelings and being able to channel that in in proper outlets and that proper outlet is not the face of another child. Um, so whether 
whether, I mean, I, you know, I was going to say sports, but sports in and of itself is violence, but it's considered a socially acceptable um, acceptable means to channel that. So, um, and even in our sports, the strategy is to kind of exploit your 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 opponent's weakness. So, you know, I, I think there there's a lot of undoing, and I'm not, and I think we can go into a slippery slope of all of a sudden closing the doors and yanking out um, and taking away from these kids um, more stuff and more services and, and more outlets where I think the opposite needs to be in place, where we need more social services, we need more outlets for these kids to to run and jump and then have have places to kind of talk it out or, um, you know, to just kind of work through it and process it. I think I think a lot of that we're doing is, like you said, you know, you're moving a kid from a class and just taking him out, and you're, you are sticking a bullseye on his back, which is exactly why, you know, the show is called Bullseye. Um, but what can we do that doesn't, that takes away the targeting, that takes away the stigma, but brings it out, out in the open um, and is is not is not labeled like that. You know, instead of a hit me sign, can we put a hug me sign, you know, uh, you know on it? Um, you know, something something needs to happen. Again, like the the knee-jerk response is to take things away, but I think more things need to be introduced into our children's daily lives and immediate environments to help support the feelings that come up and to explore the feelings and to act out the feelings um, in a healthful way. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, while I, my, my heart is so filled for you and with and your family um, about your personal experience, and it, it's so tragic, and, and I really don't have the right words for it. You know, I, I'll, I'm sure that you and I will now be be in, in in contact, you know, again and again, and I'll certainly want to be checking in with you over time to see how how in your you and your wife are coping, um, but to to be able to to know that from this we can hold the space for other other families and other children um, to you know to to shed some light on on this issue and help every person work through their wounds you know for me that 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 and like you said for you like like that's the work that now needs to get done so um, so I really just I'm I'm really so so grateful and humbled that you have shared this hour with us and um, this deeply personal story and experience um, and have really been so vulnerable yourself with us. Um, it's been extremely, extremely powerful and um, informative and I'm just I'm just really, really grateful, Kirk. Thank you, thank you yes, so ma'am. much. You're more than welcome. Thank I you appreciate so much. your time. Yes, thank you so much. And um and like I said I'll I'll be checking in with you guys to see to see how you're doing and, and please, you know, if you guys have any events, just um make sure that we know so we can share it with, with our listeners and the Mama's Girls community. I'll do that. Thank you, Miss. A big a big a big mama hug to, to you and your wife. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kirk. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um Melissa? I'm here. How are you? Are you here? Okay. <laughs> oh my lord. You know, it's a serious yeah. topic and it's something that I think it's our responsibility as parents to 
obviously we want to protect our children from being bullied, but again, we have to, it's our responsibility to teach our children not to be bullied. And, you know, I look at the recent events, um, and I look at the girl who's quote-unquote accused of bullying, and it blows my mind because she looks like a beautiful, bright, normal child, a college kid, for God's sakes, in a good school, and look what she did. Look what she, look at the um, repercussions of something so silly and stupid that she did. So I'm sh- her parents are probably baffled that her daughter got herself into this terrible situation too. So, you know, we want to believe our children are good and we want to teach our kids, but we have to be very, very adamant about instilling bullying is bad that our children shouldn't be bullies. So we have to kind of throw ourselves on both sides of the coin. So I think that's important to, to take a little responsibility for as well. What do you think? Yeah. No, I I I and I think there's there's plenty of responsibility to go around. And yeah. I know it's hard and for Did you ever read Blubber? Not the point of thing. What is it? Did you ever read Blubber by Judy Bloom? That to me was always mm. the uh well, it's it's one of those books I read in third grade and to me that was the first story about real mean how, you know, girls could be mean to each other and you know, basically, according to Judy, Judy Bloom, she wrote it about um, an experience that her daughter had when she was in fifth grade, and her daughter is one of the characters in the book, and it, it's the shy girl who just kind of observed everything, who didn't say anything, and was really upset about what was going on, but she didn't know what to do about it. So, again, there's there's so many characters you could play in a scenario, and we have to just assume that every school has some sort of... Um, level of bullying is terrible, you know, it, it, but it, it's not, you know, it's not something new. It's something right. that you and I experienced in school. It, this isn't something new that we, we need to address. It's something not that's not yeah. yeah, not only that you and I experienced, but you and I were almost a tag team in camp. You know, we picked on the guys, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, well, we were um, also nice. I definitely don't think we were that mean. But, yeah, no, I definitely... Um, I think it's it's important for us to find out, A, what the school policies are for our children in their school. You know, uh, Kirk did speak about legislation, and there is legislation that has been passed out since 2003 about laws relating to bullying. However, they're not very strong laws. And he made a good – I liked his line, and I'm going to use it in this week's Evangelist, about, you know, there's been laws about robbing banks since the 1800s, and <laughs> people are still robbing banks. So – a law is right. a law, but people, it, 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 it doesn't still, always people still feel right. We right. all do things, and you know, well, a law doesn't take really... away the problem. Right, but the law exactly. doesn't solve the problem either. It, it exactly, just... exactly. Well said. Well so, said. Um, and but I think it's important and, to find out what your school's policy is about such incidents. You know, what is, do they have a curriculum around bullying each year? Do they do anything? And if they don't, then maybe whether or not, you know, be on the preventative measure. May not, don't wait till you're a victim or your child or a child, your child's friend is a victim. Start something if your schools don't have a campaign or some sort of curriculum about bullying. Because I think um, if we work hard to teach our kids and expose them to what's right and wrong, um, we have less of a chance of getting ourselves into such a, I mean, unfortunately, this man suffered probably 
most horrific tragedy in life. I mean, definitely the level of guilt that he feels. Um, right. I hope to never, yeah, I mean, ever... It, it, was, it, was, it was palpable. It was, you know, it's palpable and it pretty much, you know, I mean, it can stun, stun anyone. I mean, it stunned me into silence. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. I was um, <laughs> but um, but the one thing I really wanted to um, well the one thing but you know it, all of this kind of I feel like has to circle around compassion. It's compassion for Kurt, for his wife, for his child, um, and also for the bully. And I think I talked about it, but I swear, like 15 minutes ago feels like five hours ago to me right now. Um, but it's just, you know, it's not enough to just, like you said, not address the issue and, and take the kid who's being bullied and move him, the Rudolph, you know, my name is Rudolph, moving Rudolph away and just separating Butch and, and Rudolph into another corner. Um, like, that's not enough. That's not addressing the problem. That's not addressing why why Butch the bully is feeling the need to pick on Rudolph. And that's that's not addressing why... Rudolph so desperately wants to play in the reindeer games and what's going on with him. Um, so, you know, there needs to be both sides of the coin. And I also get a little bit nervous about creating a slippery slope, like I said, about taking things away, about, um, you know, about us not us as people not being able to make mistakes. In law, there's this doctrine, and it's called the eggshell doctrine, and it kind of is like you take your victim um, where you find them. So if you basically pick on somebody that's a hemophiliac and you punch them and they bleed, um, they bleed to death, like you're now responsible for the murder, where you may have never intended to kill him, you just maybe intended to hit him. Um, so, you know, but these, this bloodshed that is being, you know, baffled all over, and it is it is usually, I mean, now it just seems like it's much more um, with, with cyberbullying, and um, it just seems like it's more words and it's, you know, maybe more, more, um, more. I don't know. It, it's it's more than words, but it's not necessarily an overt physical action anymore. Um, you know, when my dad, when he grew up, it was very much like toughen up, kid, and he was a Brooklyn boy. And you, being a Brooklyn girl, you know, you just you have that like toughness, and you kind of expected to get in a little bit of a tussle. You know, my dad was, you know, constantly fighting, and it was just part of it. And um, you know, but we're kind of realizing the the true negative side of that. So, I mean, it's a huge, huge field, I mean, because it, it kind of brings in all these issues. I mean, I was not really um, prepared to kind of talk about suicide um, or, you know, in, in that angle, but it's just, you know, that's that's kind of like the, the method of last resort. And unfortunately, it's like, um, it's becoming like the method of like the first resort for many kids, and and that's just not okay, and for well, many adults. Kirk has some interesting points. One point was now they actually have a term called bully side. So clearly, if there's a, a term for it, it's not a random situation. That obviously, kids are so affected about whatever's going on in their social element that they're willing to take their own life. You also threw out a statistic about kids who have actually thought about and have a plan of how to kill themselves. And the truth is, you know what, I've had bad days as a kid, and, you know, I definitely don't think I've ever taken it seriously. But I, I used to think about, like, I wish I could kill my, you know, 
Hey, I was 13, and I wanted to kill myself a couple of days a week. It was usually, in retrospect, now that I look back, kind of stupidest stuff, but the fact that our kids are exposed, and you made a comment, how they see these shows on TV. They, 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 the wealth of knowledge that our children have by the age of 15 is just probably more than our parents will ever have. I mean, um, our kids see it, they hear it, they talk it, they know everything that's going on, and... Um, they're not fools, but, you know, and that, uh, unfortunately, they, they can put themselves into a really um, adult situation and not know how to handle things properly. So we have to just, you know, if you Google, you know, bullying, comma, suicide or anything, it's, it's baffling what's coming up on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, that, and that was what was so overwhelming going into this week's topic, like, you know, like I said, like we kind of ended last week's show and we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about next week? And it's like, I never really fully know what we're going to step into. And, oh, my God. I suggest that we do something light. Uh, this is definitely not what I was thinking. But I felt like you and I both somehow it came to us in the sense that either people reached out to us, our fans, and said, hey, I was bullied. We should talk about this. So in the light of the event yeah. and even the request of fans, it really kind of was like, you know what, it, this is this is a crucial time. It's you know, it, it, it goes into the whole back-to-school theme in the sense that our kids are now in new grades, new classes, some kids right. are in new schools. And no matter whether you go to an inner-city urban school or your kid goes to a beautiful tree-lined school up in the country, that doesn't mean your right. kid is not resistant to having some sort of situation. And and not exempt. And, and, and I'm glad you said that, too, because I did get... Um, I did get an email yesterday from somebody who was saying that she had to pull her two kids from her two daughters from private school because they were being bullied. And you just wouldn't think like that would happen there, but any environment that your child is in could be a you know, a breeding ground. And it could be in your own home. It's not like it's just when your child's out in the street. It could be your home. It could be a relative's home. It could be, um, you know, anywhere that they are. You know, I'm not saying to put your kid in lockdown and have them in a bubble because you can't do that either. That's not that's not an option. Um, no, but your you option know, is kids... to build confidence and to right. find activities or um, some sort to, you know, building confidence is, is huge. And if you feel like your kid's a little under, you know, could be vulnerable, find something that's going to make them excited about themselves. Find something that's going to make them proud. Tracy, remember our, our homeschooling guest, I remember we went to Florida, and she, her son was like two and a half, and he was diving in the pool and swimming, and I was in, in completely impressed about how well he was swimming. I mean, they do live in Florida, so. Um, but she right. said, you know what, she's like, the swimming lessons were great, but let me tell you, she's like, he has a whole new level of confidence. She's like, it's like he came out of his shell because the swimming made, built up some confidence, and he's such a, she's like, I love what it did for his personality more than it, the physical ability to swim. And that has always struck my core to me, that make sure you find activities for your kids that are going to help them build their seats. If your kid has two left feet, maybe you shouldn't keep them in dancing school because it's not going to help. Right. <laughs> right, and I think um, I, I think that's awesome, and that could be you know one of the focus on this week's M's gems. You know, we do need to close out the show. I think we're actually going to get get booted 
um, off the air. So, but I did want to just throw some some resources out there for for people. And one is the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, as well as the Be Kind campaign. If you are the parent to teenage girls, you might want to pick up Rosalind Wiseman's book, Queen Bees and Wannabes. I mentioned earlier, but I'll mention again, Debbie, Debbie Ford's work on The Shadow, and she can be found at theshadoweffect.com. There is um, CNN's doing a whole thing this week, and there's tons of resources and different articles on CNN.com. There is also um, kidshealth.org has some wonderful articles about parenting and bullying, as well as the um, as the Mayo Clinic. So there are resources out there. There are places to go. Um, talk to your schools if you are concerned, and and it's okay to be relentless until somebody listens. It's okay to call up parents. Um, you know, of of other kids who suspect might be the bullies. You know, just be just be aware there of what you're stepping into because, like like Kurt said in the beginning, you know, children act on learned behavior. So um, it is it is a stepy, a sticky, it's a sticky one, and it's heavy. And you know, and, and our prayers go out to Kirk and his family, and um, and we'll continue to to address this this issue, which is obviously. Um, a heavy one and on on future segments as well. There was another guest that we were going to have on the show who runs an anti anti bully campaign and and um, it's called the anti bully um, the he's called the America's anti bully and his name is Mike Bogdansky and I'm hoping that maybe he can come on for the beginning of the show next week to to give us some more some more insights. I just I just had to hear hear Kirk and, and give him his space. There was no way I was going to to cut him off like at all. He just you know he earned it. Um, and so again, you can find Mama's Pearls in any of our past um, our past segments. Last week's segment on Short Bus was amazing, uh, so you can find that in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com/mamaspearls. You can find Melissa and I um, via email at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com or Melissa at MamasPearls.com. We are on Facebook at MamasPearls. We're on Twitter at SinTweet. Um, you can find our, you know, any of the past blogs at www.MamasPearls.com. And you know, in closing out this show, you know, we just want to remind you to, to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you, Remember the precious moments that, that you have and honor each each precious precious moment and to shine a light for yourself. We all have wounded parts of yourself as well as for your children, as well as for your children's peers. Um, everybody, again, deserves compassion for this process. All right, Melissa, thank you so much. I love you so much. I, I love I, you, I, too. I'm, I'm like... In, I'm in New York City, and like I'm in the city, and I, and I miss my children right now so so bad. So I, you know, everyone, please, please, if your children are with you, hug your children. If they're not with you, um, and they have passed on, um, honor their memory today by lighting a candle. Much love to everybody, and we'll be connecting again next week. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks. Bye, hon.